Hello, hello, hello. Hello, 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 hello. And welcome to another episode of Taking Stock Live. I'm your host, Kalila Reynolds, and we're in tune for another fabulous show this week. I want to thank you for joining me. I see a lot of you are already on and waiting. I love it when we start this program and we have people waiting for the show to start. It makes, you know, you guys get me hyped. So of course, as usual, drop a comment in the chat. Let me know where you're joining us from this evening. And also let me know what part of the discussion are you looking forward to the most. Also, if you haven't subscribed as yet, make sure that you head on over to kalilaranals.com slash newsletter and subscribe to my newsletter. You get these alerts directly to your inbox. Tomorrow morning, you'll be getting a transcript of what's hot in business. This evening, you would have gotten an email alert telling you that we're about to start the show and what all is coming up in the program. So head on over and do that. And later on as well, I'll be telling you a little bit more about my masterclass if you need help getting started in that department. That's what that's there for. So without any further ado, let's see what's coming up today, followed by what's hot in business. After a rocky stint with venture capital funding, Blue Dot founder Laren Peart is considering raising funds through an IPO. Peart bought back majority ownership of the data intelligence firm from the troubled SSLVC last year and now owns 100% of the company. So, what does the future hold for Blue Dot? CEO Laren Peart will join us. And the analysts weigh in on the latest market developments. Three brokerage firms have recommended against buying JFP's IPO. We'll find out why. The minimum wage is being raised to $9,000 a week. How will this affect business? And it's a results week. Alaska Manufacturing and Grace Kennedy's net profits are both up. We'll discuss. But first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. The Bank of Jamaica has raised the policy rate to 4%. The new rate took effect on Monday and is the highest policy rate since June 2017. The BOJ's policy rate is seen as a signal to financial institutions in setting their own interest rates. The BOJ said it increased the rate to help stem rising inflation. The Statistical Institute of Jamaica said inflation for the past 12 months is at 9.7%. This is well above the BOJ's target of keeping inflation between 4 to 6%. The minimum wage has been raised by 30%. The minimum wage is the least amount of money an employer can pay their employee weekly. The increase brings minimum wage to $9,000 per 40-hour work week, up from $7,000. Security guards will now be entitled to $10,500 per 40-hour work week, up from $9,700. The changes are scheduled to take effect on April 1. The last minimum wage increase was in 2018. Jamdex, Jamaica Digital Exchange. That's the official name of Jamaica's central bank digital currency. No cash, no problem. That's the tagline. And if this logo looks familiar, yes, it's a play on Jamaica's national fruit, the Aki. The Bank of Jamaica landed on the name, tagline and symbol for the CBDC following a competition last year. The bank said the winning items were selected because they can easily and immediately be recognized as Jamaican. 
Gerard Harvey was awarded $350,000 in regular currency and $25,000 in Jamdex for conceptualizing and designing the logo. While Ashley Payne received a total of $600,000 for coming up with the name and tagline. In August 2021, BOJ minted $230 million worth of Jamdex to be issued to deposit-taking institutions. $5 million of the digital currency was issued to the National Commercial Bank NCB for distribution to retail customers during the pilot which ended in December 2021. $1 million worth was also distributed to staff at the central bank. The Planning Institute of Jamaica estimates that Jamaica's economy grew by 6% between October and December 2021 compared to the same period in 2020. The PIOJ provides preliminary estimates of the country's economic growth. The Statistical Institute of Jamaica provided the confirmed numbers at a later date. According to the PIOJ, the goods-producing sector grew slightly by 0.4% due to increases in the agriculture, forestry and fishing and construction industries. However, growth was hindered by contractions in mining and quarrying and manufacturing. The agency said the services sector grew at a much faster rate, moving up by 8% due to increases across all industries. The top three industries that contributed to growth in the services sector were hotels and restaurants, other services, and wholesale and retail trade and repair and installation of machinery. For the calendar year 2021, the PAOJ said Jamaica's economy was estimated to have grown by 4.4%. Regional investment group Dequity Capital Management has acquired a 40% stake in Royal Medical Hospital in Westmoreland. Dequity said the acquisition was valid at more than $200 million. It represents the latest move by the company to diversify its portfolio. Dequity CEO Adrian Smith said Jamaica's healthcare system has been at the forefront since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the company wants to play a role in improving the system. The Westmoreland-based Royal Medical Hospital is a private hospital that offers general medical care and services in obstetrics and gynecology, urology, dermatology, and other areas. The partnership between Royal and Dequity is expected to accelerate Royal's long-term goal to expand into Montego Bay and Kingston. Dequity said Royale will also be refitted with new devices and see overall improvement of the current facility to effectively provide health care. JMMB Group was the biggest contributor to proven investments net profits for the first nine months of the 2021 financial year. Proven reported a net profit of 12.3 million US dollars for the period ending December 2021. Of that, JMMB had a net contribution of 10.2 million US. Proven Investments acquired a 20% stake in JMMB in 2018. Access Financial Services, another associated company of Proven's, contributed $450,000 to the company's net profit. The company's other core subsidiaries saw mixed performances. Proven Wealth's net profit declined by 22% to $1.4 million from $1.8 million from the same period in 2020. Bosley Bank's net profit declined by half to 2.5 million US dollars, of which it contributed 1.9 million US to Proven. Proven's properties generated 1.24 million US dollars in net profit, which accounted for 12% of the group's net profit. What's Heart was brought to you by Jamaica Money Market Brokers, your best interest at heart. Our key word for 2022 is consistency. I've told you before that you can start investing with as little as a thousand Jamaican dollars, but the key to growing that into actual wealth is consistency. So here's what we're gonna do. Step one, open your investment account. 
Step two, set up a standing order or a salary deduction with your employer to fund that investment account every month so that at the end of each month, you have money to buy stocks. Step three, you're gonna watch my show, Taking Stock with Khalilo Reynolds, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. on YouTube for news and analysis on the stock market. And if you're completely clueless as to how to get started, well, you take my Investing for Beginners Masterclass at KhalilaReynolds.com slash masterclass. 2022 is gonna be your year. Let's get this money. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. All right, welcome back. And of course, let's get this money. I love to see so many of you on early. We're almost at 200 live viewers. But remember, well, yes, we just hit 200, as I said that. But remember to hit that like button because I see 200 people live right now, but I don't see 200 likes on, the, on YouTube or on Facebook. So remember that liking the video helps YouTube to tell other people to watch this show as well. So it really helps us out with our numbers and it helps other people out who need this information. So you just heard or you just saw what's hot in business. There were a couple of late breaking stories today as well. The JFP IPO closed today. It was oversubscribed. So it opened and closed in just about two days. It opened on Monday and closed today. And do know that there were some technical challenges with NCB's Go IPO platform yesterday uh, morning. So perhaps that's the reason it closed today instead of Monday, as many people had anticipated. And there was a lot of talk about it as well. And we'll talk about that in the analyst segment of this program. And then the other late breaking story, just after six o'clock, Prime Minister Andrew Holness hosted a news conference uh, announcing that the curfew restrictions will be moved to midnight. So currently they are at... 11 p.m. as of Monday coming, no, the 25th. I think the current restrictions end on the 24th, which is Thursday. So the 25th would be Friday. And as of Friday, so this weekend coming, curfew restrictions are moving to midnight. So between midnight and 5 a.m. will be the no movement periods, just five, five hours. And then what was most telling to me was what he said at the very end. So these curfew restrictions are gonna be in place for the next three weeks. And at the end of that statement, he said that he believes that after these three weeks are up, they are going to do away with the restrictions entirely. I need to find the direct quote on that, but that's the essence of what I heard or at least how I interpreted it. So we're gonna find that and put that in the newsletter for you tomorrow morning. So let me shout out to everybody who is watching us right now, all our early viewers. Where are you from? Kay Clark says, ATL in the building. Astina says, good night, y'all money makers. Astina is hailing from Spanish town. Uh, we see Rajet is online. Keisha Bailey says, hello. Uh, Orville also joining us from Spanish town. Rajet is in Kingston, Jamaica. AJ's Closet Essentials is joining us from Mobay. Andre is all the way in Australia, terrible accent, down under, yes, might. <laughs> I'm trying, uh, Ostina says uh, she, I think that's a she, wants to know about IPO, of course. So yeah, what do you guys, what are you most looking forward to 
about this evening's conversation. I see Mandeville checking in. That's LeVar Henry. He's always here. Nikolai's in Kingston. Uh, Michael Fraser also in Kingston. Roger says he wants to learn about the part where we learn to get this money. That's the part he's most uh, interested in hearing. Anthony says, hello, I'm a new subscriber from St. Anne, but located in cool, cool Mandeville. I'm only a beginner, so I'm here to just learn. Let me tell you, I came back to Kingston in the past couple of days, and I feel hot. Like, I'm already, my body has acclimatized the mandible temperature, and now Kingston feel extra hot in February. <laughs> I tell you, things change very quickly. But let us introduce our main guest for tonight. So, we've heard a few things about Blue Dot over the past few months. And I called this guest this evening asking him, how much of the company or no? Because reading all the news articles, I was trying to keep track of, okay, who had what percent and how much you bought and then who bought out who. And he now owns 100% of the company once again. And his name is Laren Peart. He's the founder and CEO of Blue Dot Data Intelligence. Welcome back to the show, Laren. Hi, Khalilah. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. How are you? This is, your, is it your second time? On, no, second or third? How many third. times have you been on the show? Third. 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 Your third time, yeah. In, in as many years. So you're becoming one of our, uh, our, our notable repeat guests. Yeah, man. And, and that's a good thing, right? So. I, yes, I it I is. Absolutely a good thing. <laughs> I know this show is for the business leaders of Jamaica, so you're, you're in that category I, now, Lauren. I'm a boss. You're bo <laughs> your boss. I tell everybody how me boss you. <laughs> All right, so give me an update on where we are with ownership of the company. When I messaged you this evening, you said you now have 100%. Um, what was that process like over the past uh, probably about two years in reacquiring the company? stressful <laughs> it was stressful but but um got it done eventually so i would have made an offer to ssl who owns 50 percent um to to purchase the shares literally the week like the two days before um our first covid case in 2020 um and then with covid i wasn't able to, to buy it back so um i was just able to repurchase um those shares about uh six weeks ago um or late last year. Um, so I bought back 30% from SSO, 20% from Yes Aya, who bought 20, who bought, they had bought 20 from SSO. Um, I bought, Zachary Hardin also had 10%, bought back his shares. And then Kimala Bennett, who her and I started Blue Dot in 2014, um, thanks to her, uh, she allowed me to purchase her shares as well. So, um, you can imagine there was a, there are so many negotiations that happened with that's what five other investors and shareholders in Blue Dot, um, so that that took some time, um, and of course to raise the funds to, to make the purchase. Yeah. So, and we all know the story. We've been following it. Uh, with SSL Venture Capital was the company that had uh, purchased. They had majority, right? They had fifty percent. They had 50% of the company. So what has been the biggest learning experience for you in the past couple of years dealing with the whole SSL, let me call it drama, at the buyback? So being bought out by a venture capitalist, first of all, and then having that relationship end up where it was, uh, right. that company failing as a SLVC, 
you having to buy back and now considering other plans? What's been the biggest uh, learning experience for you? Um, so I, I, don't, I don't regret anything, right? As you said, it's, it has been a learning experience. Um, but in terms of a lesson, I think for you know other founders, other other entrepreneurs, is you know do your do your due diligence as well and ensure that there's alignment of vision um, with whoever is coming. Alignment of vision. So, so you know ensure alignment of vision and you know that you're all on the same page and they they they're they're behind you and support what your vision for the company is. I think that would be the, the biggest lesson for me. Would you say that uh, you and SSLVC were misaligned? Lauren is freezing. Yeah, I hope we get back his internet connection very soon. But that's a very important lesson in you know dealing with any business alignment of vision i think that's that's a really really good one that lauren just pointed to because when you have a company that is uh let me not use the term selling out but uh selling a stake to a private equity investor you really do have to be on the same page especially if they're going to be acquiring majority or like in in lauren's case 50 percent of the company welcome back lauren Thanks. Sorry, sorry about that. Not sure what happened. Right. I was. Yeah, I don't so know how saying, much mm -hmm. saying, you know alignment of vision and of purpose and um, is important when choosing an, an investor or, or co-founder or you know um, whoever is whoever you're bringing into the company. Ensure that there's alignment. That was the that's the lesson. Right. So I was asking you, would you say that you and SSL were misaligned? No, I wouldn't say that. So I mean, they they. The, the misalignment came from being under a listed company and having um, long-term plans. But as a listed company, you know, you have to make those quarterly um, quarterly results. You know, you have to have those good quarterly results because you do it because you have shareholders. Um, so I would have had much longer-term plans, um, which had to be contracted because of that that requirement um because sslvc was a listed entity um they were behind me um but you know that did cause cause some some contention ah so you feel like pressure was put on you to perform put on blue dot to perform to reflect positively on sslvc's quarterly numbers Right, right. But like I said, it was more the, the long-term plans that I needed to put in, or I knew that I needed to put in place, but had to shorten some of those plans. Um, it, you know, you know, when, when you're listed, you live your life in quarters, right? Um, so, or, and, and for us, when we're, when we're a associate company, of a listed company, we also live our life, live, live life in quarters as well. So um, it, it was a bit of a, a pressure there. Well, that is pressure that you are not shying away from, apparently, because I, I saw a report where you're considering listing Blue Dot yourself. So rather than being an associate company of a listed company, Blue Dot is looking to list. Right. Um, Okay, Lauren is frozen again, but I did see that report. I believe it was in the Observer newspaper, and you would have seen the screenshot 
in what's hot in business in was it was hot no in the in the introduction section of this program you would have seen where it said they are looking at a possible ipo if i can bring up that article right now i can tell you oh here he is yes lauren sorry i'm really not sure what's going on with this internet but yeah, yeah um so it's, it's the founder's dilemma right i don't know how many people have read that it's a very popular um harvard business review um you know um, article called founder's dilemma where you decide whether or not you want to be rich or you want to be king. Um, and various studies have shown that founders or companies who give up equity do much better than founders or companies that retain all the equity for themselves, right? So um, I'm at that founder's dilemma point. Um, we, I have a very, very good offer for equity investment from a very large company um, that will eventually take us to IPO in about two or three years. But I also mm. have, um, right, and and when and if at that point, you know, would of course list at a much higher valuation than we would be able to list now. But um, counter to that is, I do have offers from other um, from brokers or brokerages who have said you can list now if you want to list now. Um, so you know, it's a it's a tough decision to make at the moment. Um, you know, list would you now. want to list now or you prefer you're still thinking about it? Um, I think not, you know, it's, it's not to be greedy, right? So I, I could list now at a lower valuation, uh, um, give up less equity in the company, 20% on the junior, um, and you know, grow from there, or you know, take on equity investment from, a, from one of these other investors, grow the company and wait two years and then list at a higher valuation. So that's the that those are the decisions that, that have to be made now. I'm leaning to the to the former to the first one, which is um waiting it out, taking an in equity investment from another ent another entity um and growing and, and listing at a higher valuation. What are your funding needs right now? Uh what are my funding needs? Mm -hmm. Was that the question? um we you know so data as cliche data is the new oil right it's not even it's, it's the future and there are so many companies now who or every company should be using data to make decisions right um so i think the opportunities for us are are far and wide we we just hired i've been talking about expanding into the caribbean for a long time we just hired two staff members over there full-time so we started that process um, over where sorry in trinidad sorry mm. uh, right so we we now have staff in trinidad um i'm really just waiting on our bank accounts to be to be formed properly before we actually start there um so that will take some funding um we do need staff the staff that we that we require do that are pretty expensive so they're um, statisticians, actual scientists, data scientists—you know, like you know, very, very expensive people. So, those would be the funding requirements. Um, but you know, I'm I'm very optimistic about where we're going as a company. You know, we we're doing a lot of very um, interesting work for our corporate clients. Um, we're a part of their strategic planning. A lot more companies are using us to make better decisions with data um and you know the plan is to maximize that in the car in jamaica and then we launch into the caribbean um you know step by step starting with trinidad in the next few weeks 
I see a couple of comments coming in. Stocks unedited says, stay private, blue dot, as opposed to Philip Burgess, who loves to invest. He's like, listen now, brother, ready. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and then I see an interesting comment. I want to ask you this question from one of our viewers. Uh, this one comes from Tatiana Wilson. She says, hi, Lauren. How would you describe the current financing conditions for high potential startups, MSMEs in Jamaica? Are investors fair in their evaluation of the company's potential and valuation? Good, good question. Um, are you still hearing me, Kalila? Yes, yes, you're there. Very good question. So I actually just tweeted about this on the weekend because um, my good friend Monique Powell from QuickCart, you know, she, in my opinion, got the fairest valuation that any tech company or young company has ever gotten um in in jamaica so kudos to roots kevin from roots and and monique on that um she got a deal with roots and i never yeah. i missed that piece of news yeah the last man. i remember he was so on roots. twitter ranting about um uh relationship gone sour an investing relationship gone sour so now she's with roots that's awesome should have kevin on soon Okay, Lauren is freezing again. I think he, let's see if we can Kalilo, get him back. Hear me? Yeah, 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 there you are. You're back. All right, mm -hmm. sorry. Sorry, viewers, sorry, Kalilo. Yeah, I'm, I'm back. Um, so, right, I was saying, yeah, Kalilo, sorry, uh, not Kalilo, Monique um, got a, a, a very nice, a good, fair evaluation or close to fair valuation, in my opinion, from Kevin Donaldson and, and Roots Investment um, at 42% for, I think it was 96 million or something like that. Um, so that, that for me, I, you know, when I saw that, I thought that was, all right, so maybe the culture is shifting because primarily a lot of companies, a lot of these finance houses do not know how to properly um, value, especially tech companies, you know, we don't have those tangible assets you know machinery or even real estate um you know for them to value and it's always been a challenge for for companies to to give proper valuation so i was very happy to see that um that you know monique powell from quick cards got got a pretty fair valuation in my opinion but is that the general sense of the landscape so she no, got no, a very fair valuation no. but generally what is it like what is is horrible <laughs> To be frank Ooh. yeah yeah it like i said companies really they, they just don't value um ip properly in my opinion they don't value projected revenue so for example blue dot you know we know that every company every public private entity needs data to grow um but yet companies out here will just not give it the valuation that i think we deserve versus companies in the us um north america etc same companies like Blue Dot doing the same thing would probably do even more than them getting a hundred, two hundred million dollar valuations, right? So it's it is a problem, but I think I think we're getting there now. And there's a there's a lot of cash out there. It's just that I think investors now still believe in real estate and like hard tangible assets. You know, if if you took the same proposal or the same valuation or the same investment request to a investor to build a complex and to start to invest in a startup tech company 
they're going to pick the real estate, even though the largest companies in the world right now are tech companies. So it's it's a part of the ecosystem yeah. that we're you know, we have I to saw build. there was a there's a popular meme that's been going around that Amazon is the biggest retailer and has no shops. I think they know they know probably have one or two. Exactly. And Morta. Airbnb right. is the biggest hotelier and owns no hotels. Uber mm -hmm. is the biggest uh, taxi service yeah. and they own no cars. So right. you're absolutely right. That's the way of the world now. Right, right. You know, and, and Jamaican investors, the, 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 the financial institutions, private investors, they need to take a shot. They need to, they need to, to, to support the young entrepreneurs um, in the tech space. Right. We, I think we have such a, a big opportunity here to be um, a tech hub in the Caribbean or for the Caribbean to be a tech hub, you know, and not just BPOs, not throwing any shade at, BP, at the BPO sector. But, you know, there's more we can do with our talent here. Mm. We have another question from the viewers. Zamir says, what is Blue Dot? <laughs> we should have started with that, explaining what you do and what's your five year growth target for target market for the region uh thanks thanks amir so so blue dots um in short we help our clients to make better decisions with data so we do a lot of market research um there are a lot of products you can you know the other day i went to the supermarket and in almost every aisle there are products there that we would have tested for clients so from snacks to alcohol to juices etc we test um products product launches, new packaging, taste, everything for, for our clients. Um, on the data side, we build, we do data analytics, we build models. Uh, an example would be, you know, we built a credit risk model for one of our clients the other day that told them who was going to default on a loan just by looking at data. Um, so we're in the data space, the insight space, analytics, modeling, uh, market research. Uh, a lot of people know us because we do election polls. We're very successful with, with our and accurate with our election polling um, with Nationwide um, another network. Um, so yeah, that's what we do. We help our clients make better decisions with, with data. Yeah, I recall when he, when he first did those polls, people were like, who is Blue Dot? Because people were used to the Bill Johnson and the Don Anderson polls. And then here comes Blue Dot with Nationwide. I was at Nationwide at the time. And right. you guys really disrupted the industry, bringing a different type of technology to polling. And right. it works for political polls. It works for marketing. And it is a highly valuable service. So to the right. second part of Zamir's question, five-year growth target. Um, so, so like I said, I mean, I, I can't, I won't give numbers, but I, I think we've only, we're only scratching 10% of the potential in Jamaica, right? In terms of what we do know, and, and we have good numbers, right? Um, and then when we look to the Caribbean and the region, there's still a lot of, comp there's still, we're still probably the only company that does what we do, as far as I know, in the region, um, you know, in, like just the, the depth of what we can do for our clients. Um, on the data side. Um, so I am extremely optimistic about what our opportunities are. Um, you know, a lot of our clients know they don't make any decisions without us, without, you know, talking to us first and having us do the assessments first, right? Um, and we're now becoming more of a strategic consultancy where, you know, we provide the data and the, anal and the analysis and the insights we also provide the recommendations and the strategy 
you know so take this insight um and what do you do with this insight now to make it actionable to to build out products and services and that's that's where that's the space that we're in now and you know we're we're pretty good at it and, and there's like i said i'm extremely optimistic does anyone else in jamaica do what you do I, i'm not familiar with any with that type of technology no not that i know of not that in I the know. caribbean not that I know of. Um, I haven't checked in a while, but not that I know of. Especially on the neuroscience side, which is the when we really dig deep into um, human behavior using technology that measures um, heart rate, pulse, brain activity. You know, tracking eye movement, that type of stuff. When we, when we, there's no one is definitely doing that. Data analytics, perhaps there's a, there there are other companies, but um, established. Not that I, not that I know. Of. Lanesra, Lanesra, not sure how you pronounce it, wants to know if your company can help with stock selection. So, so yeah, so if you watch, if you watch Billions and, you know, they have the, the quants, that's, that's what they do. Um, Khalila, maybe that's something you and I should partner on, but <laughs> it's, all, it's all data, right? And once you have data you, and enough data, you can predict um, with, with, with data. So it's definitely possible. That's actually an excellent idea looking at because you do measure data analytics and behavior and how people are likely to behave. And that is all when it comes to stock analytics, that information there is golden. So, exactly. yeah. On any given day, I know how many people are going to buy particular products already because we're collecting so much data, right? We, we understand consumer behavior because we have, we're collecting so much data every day. So, definitely plugging that data into a model that has history, historical um, stock data, um, macroeconomic data, you know, inflation, et cetera, and then adding consumer behavior to that for sure is something that we could do. I mean, the service you offer is quite rare. Like you said, you don't know of any in Jamaica or the Caribbean. There may be, but you're just not aware of them. Uh, in On the global landscape, though, is this being done in a major way right now? Like, what are your prospects for even expansion beyond the Caribbean? What was the landscape mm -hmm. like? So so we so we, we do work in, in, in the U.S. and Canada already. Um, right now, as we speak, we're doing um, projects in seven eight caribbean islands so we you know we, we've already you know you know trying to maximize our, our presence in the caribbean like what i've said before um but definitely in 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 north america i, I hope we'll get there eventually um but you know focusing on the caribbean possibly latin first and then we'll we'll look to to north america which is where the real the real money is okay so i heard that you have a major announcement coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want to preempt your announcement, but is any hint that you can give us as to what it may be? So it's, it's the decision that I told you about, right? So I will decide very soon. Um, I think, like I said, I think I've already made the decision, you know, to to go with a particular company that's, that's putting quite a bit of cash into us. Um, and then we will list at a, at, a, at a year or two, yeah. Mm. Well, we will definitely look out for that announcement and we'll be providing coverage here on Taking Stock as usual. Thanks for joining me, Lauren. And I wish you all the best. Uh, we're looking out for Blue Dots. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And we'll be in tune for the IPO when the time comes. Because we yeah. know it's going to come and you're going to get your valuation that you want. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. Thank you. Thank you so much.
All right. That was Laren Peart, CEO of Blue Dot. And like we said, we're going to keep you updated with what is going on with that company when they eventually do plan to list and the announcement that they'll be making in a couple of weeks. So in the meantime, though, answer our poll question. This evening's poll question has to do with JFP, the Jamaica, well, the company formerly known as Jamaica Fiberglass. That IPO closed today. And our poll question is simple. Did you invest in the JFP IPO? And if so, why or why not? Let us know in the comments and let us know also in the poll. The link is in the description box. And you can also go to the community tab on my YouTube channel to answer that poll question. Did you invest in the JFP IPO? Up next, it's your market recap and the analysts are standing by. Of taking stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency. Insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap. The JSE Combined Index lost to 5,800 points or 1.4%. 114 stocks traded across both the main and the junior markets for the week ending Friday, February 18, 2022. 41 advanced, 63 declined, and 10 stayed the same. 191 million shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market, totaling $1.1 billion. Wigton Wind Farm Ordinary Shares was the most traded. It took up nearly 13% of market volume. The stock lost 2 cents to close last week at 54 cents. Tropical Battery traded the second highest volume, with people buying nearly 23 million shares in the company. The stock was also this week's biggest gainer up 16%. Tropical Battery gained 24 cents to open this new week at $1.70. Smurtree Spices rounded out the most traded, taking up nearly 9% of market volume. The stock gained $0.03 cents to close last week at $3.04. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the week. First Rock Capital Holdings USD was the second biggest gain of the week after Tropical Battery. The stock rose nearly 15% to open this week at $0.08 cents US. And rounding out our biggest gains, Sterling Investments, which rose nearly 13% to open this week at $3.50. On the losing side now, Radio Jamaica was last week's biggest loser, down 26%. The stock closed last week at $3.17. 138 Student Living fell nearly 24% to open this new week at $5.59. And rounding off the week's biggest losers, Margaritaville Turks USD, which lost 23%, to close last week at $0.18. Cents. This segment of Taking Stock, The Analysts, is brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Securities Brokers Limited. So before I introduce our guests for the next segment, let me take a few comments from the live chat. Tyrone Wilson, big up Tyrone, I create. Tyrone says, I believe in Blue Dot, great company and a CEO who understands the future of data. Stocks Unlimited says, SSLVC, drop the ball. Uh, we have uh, Zamir saying, I believe Blue Dot should hit the iron while it's hot and go for an aggressive growth strategy. Phillips saying Blue Dot is a first mover in its space for the Caribbean listing now has its advantages for sure. Well, that's true. You don't know what can happen in the next two years is who, who else is going to imitate the strategy of Blue Dot. And uh, Natty B says, I will be waiting on the IPO. All right, so we're going to introduce our analyst panel for this evening, and we have with us today Wealth Manager at Ideal Securities Brokers Company, Auric Angus, and Assistant Manager of Private Equity at Proven Management, Julian Morrison. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hi, good night. Hey, Kalila. 
our pleasure to have you. Well, the hot topic this evening, apart from BOJ's logo, <laughs> the Aki logo. <laughs> Digital Aki. Digital Aki to the world. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Like I, I saw the original version of the logo that the person, the designer submitted. In my opinion, it was much better than what they decided to go with. But um, <laughs> anywho, the other hot topic is JFP IPO. So that closed today, closed early, closed um, within two days. I suspect that some of the technical glitches that they had might have contributed to it not closing yesterday. But also, because I don't know that it was a subscription issue since it was such a small uh, offering. But also, we did see... I saw three brokers uh, submit recommendations to not participate in this IPO. So I wanted to hear from you guys what you all thought about it, uh, about the recommendations and what your own thoughts are. And you don't necessarily have to be speaking on behalf of the company. Let me give the standard disclaimer right now. This is not intended as investment advice. Speak to a licensed financial advisor, even though Oric and Julian are, um, they're not your advisors and they can't speak to your specific situation so let me hear what you guys think Auric, you first on on jfp um yeah i mean i think the the, the offer it, it's attractive to a different kind of investor obviously one would be on the the more riskier side of of the the risk, the risk spectrum um the, the the obviously it's a little overvalued in in our opinion so i i do agree with with jm with sorry vm barita and jn um i think the the prospect for growth is it's very volatile um the revenue margin seems they are very volatile but the, the the management team seems very optimistic about the future I definitely would love to see more in regards to the pipeline for revenue growth and and, and for 2022 in particular. Um, but on another issue, I'd like to address like something that I believe is a gap in the industry in regards to when I feel this versus when the analysis are the analysis surface. So when you look at um, Barita's publication that was on February 21. That's the day that yesterday. I did open. Um, VM was around the 18th. That was the earliest. Friday, I can't recall yeah. the day for, for JN. So the, the, the prospect surfaced on the 14th of February. So we'd have like a week to do all of that. And as you can see, the IPO has closed. Now, us analysts, and we're, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. So I'm not going to just point out um, those three brokers in particular. Now, the prospectus was listed on the 14th and the IP is already closed. Now, in regards to investors would have won better guidance in regards to if they should buy this or not from a moderate or conservative risk appetite. Um, they, would be, they would not have gotten ample time to get that information before uh, pressing that button in regards to applying to this IPO. Now, that's something I think we all need to fix. Is it, mm -hmm. is it that we need to widen the window more or work faster in putting out our analysis or putting out, putting out preliminary information um, for these things so people can get ample time to make their decisions? Um, but I, I agree, it is, it, it is a risk um, for, for, for this IPO. Um, I think GK did 
well, I'm not sure if it's them in particular, but I think the right thing was to close this one a little earlier than than the usual, based on what we've seen in the past. No, I absolutely agree with you in terms yeah. of the timeliness of the analysis right. coming out. Or right. when an IPO comes out, my team springs into action immediately exactly. because we know that time is of the essence. People exactly. need information, exactly. need decision-making information before the IPO opens. Mm -hmm. So we had our interview with JFP on Thursday, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to push it any further than Thursday because that would have given people mm -hmm. at least mm -hmm. that one business day on Friday to make mm -hmm. a decision and to do something before the IPO opened on Monday. Yeah, and you're, you're absolutely right. Putting out um, the recommendation after mm -hmm. the IPO is already open or in some instances... It's a very tight oh, window. It, it was a very tight people. window, but... I yeah, it's tight, but it can't be possible. done. Yeah. Yeah. Julian, so th the biggest uh, issue that I've seen with those three analyses that I saw was based on the stock price. So they're saying, yes, they, there is opportunity there, but they're basically saying the stock is overvalued at $1. The IPO price is overvalued at $1, and they have their projections listed or their valuation, fair price listed between $0.65 and $0.75. Cents. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, each... First of all, value is, is, is always relative. So we will have different parameters guiding value. So in other words, what we expect about a company um, will vary based on our subjective level of understanding about that company. For one, I, I, I haven't looked at a furniture company previously, but as an investor, I will look at certain key metrics and also trends, patterns, that will speak to me as an investor. For instance, on this program, I speak a lot about quality of earnings. And when we look at the profile of cash flows, right, from the company, the cash flows are extremely volatile. Maybe it is something that is normal in that industrial space. But what I saw didn't align with what I was interested in as an investor because I'm interested in quality of earnings. That is earnings that are backed by cash. Um, other things that stood out to me were the 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 the, the volatile um, the volatile patterns in revenues and also how um, volatile earnings was. So those three factors combined would be something that wouldn't interest me as an investor. Um, but maybe somebody else might be interested. They might be willing to take that risk. They might know the furniture industry better than me. So it's subjective, um, but that's my personal opinion on it. Right. I think the potential for JFP, from what I noticed looking through the prospectus and based on the interview we did last week, I would say is more of a medium term uh, potential as opposed to a, a short term quick gain going, going in and going out, which is very popular with a lot of investors today, because I see the opportunity that they have in the hotel industry, for example, which when that the, the, the curfew restrictions are being eased. PM says that within the next three weeks, they may do away with them entirely. When tourism like really hits its stride again, and those rooms start, the construction boom really takes off. Because 2019, we were there, you know, we had hotel construction lined up, and then COVID just, just mash up all of those plans. And what Metro told me on Thursday is that 2019 is also the year that they decided to go after the hotel industry in a meaningful way, which is why their revenues basically doubled in 2020. They got Spanish uh, Sp uh, Spanish court contract, they got AC hotel contract, 
I think they're in a good position to capitalize on that when the hotel boom really hits Jamaica again. So I say like three to five years for, for this company to really uh, improve upon their numbers if you're willing to take the risk, like you guys are saying, because the current numbers don't look too promising. But in three to five years, I think there's a good potential for, for that company. Yeah. All right. So and we have a few comments on that issue. I see Brilliant Witter says, after investing in Spurtree and making a profit on them after selling and still have triple the amount, never was going to get left off JFP train <laughs> making money. I think that did happen to quite a few people. You see the, the success of Spurtree and you you want to jump on that train yeah and then I seeing that the price of it was similar so a lot of people looking at that that it from that perspective right yeah it's also a dollar a dollar seems to be a very popular uh price uh, kristen play the clip for me what what their response was when we asked them why did they price at one dollar i have two questions here about the share price robert says why offer such limited number of shares? Couldn't the 280 have been split and sold at 50 cents per share? And then Roger followed that up saying, my question is to ask, why is the opening cost for this IPO at $1 and not starting around in the cent range? Well, I mean, I can say I'm a simple fellow. Um, $1 is an easy number to, to, to think about, right? Um, but the truth is, uh, I think a dollar is a good uh, price to start at, a starting range. If you actually look at a lot of the, the recent IPOs, um, they've been in and around um, that range. Um, but you know, it doesn't um, preclude the business if, um, for example, the price starts to increase, starts to get a little higher, and they look at it and say, hey, this is um, uh, causing a bit of a, an issue in terms of the, the trading of the stock to do any sort of stock splits or anything like that to, to adjust the price back down or again so that it's affordable and, and it's able to, to be traded. So um, I think that a dollar is a good price as it stands and we'll see what happens in the future. So based on what he just said, it sounds like they just picked a dollar because it was a popular it was, it IPO price as opposed, to, as opposed to the actual valuation of yeah. the company. Yeah, definitely seems sounds like it was a relative valuation versus the actual value of the company. That's why investors need to do their homework, you know? Yeah. And we have a culture in, in, in our markets. I mean, it happens in other markets, but more so here where we look very closely at nominal price. You know, you look at something mm -hmm. at, the, at the face value of it. And we say, boy, it's a dollar in, a dollar cheap, I'm a jump in and whatever. But the fact is, we need to understand that price and value are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Something can be overpriced at a dollar and something can be underpriced at a hundred dollars. And actually, I'm going to go into that tonight, but right. I won't, same, I won't, same. I won't go too yeah. far. That's right. That's right. Yes, we do have some yeah. other topics to get to. Yeah. So just before we come to your topics, uh, let me take a few more comments. Philip says, Sajikor also recommended not to participate, presumably for the same reason. Lori's Life says, went to buy stock today and the broker says it's sold out, Manila dead. <laughs> Lori, you need to pay attention. Small offerings are very, very likely to close well before the close date. And then non-sequitur has a good point. He says, company, uh, where did it go? Company is not around, where did my comment go? 
company has not been around for 36 years by chance, survive all the 90s business climate and all of that. So I think that's a, that's a good point. A company that's tried and tested for 36 years, uh, there's something to be said for that. All right, so let's move on to some of our other topics for today. We have, well, we have the BOJ rising, raising interest rates again. 4% now is now the benchmark rate. Uh, but we also want to go to, where are we? All right, so we have a couple of companies that are have been reporting profits. So Alaska Manufacturing is reporting net profit increase of $403 million. That's a 43% increase for their third quarter ending December 31 over the over the corresponding period the previous year. So give me your analysis on Alaska Manufacturing, Auric. All right, um, I'm going to share my screen now. Hopefully we're at this time. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah. Here we are. So that's in third quarter. Let me um, just zoom in on what you're talking about because it's really small for us to see the small. screen. Yeah. Sorry. You can see that now? Better, yes. Okay, great. So this is Lassen's um, third quarter performance. Um, pretty much, this is their income statement. Uh, revenue for the quarter came out at around 2.3 billion, which was a 15.9% increase for that period. Um, as you can see, most of the, the they have been trying to manage costs in in the sense that um, finance costs has dropped, fallen off at around 22.1%. Um, net profit margins are at around 43.5%. So all in all, this is the third quarter when you move over. Let's move over to the nine months today. This is as at um, December 31st. Um, revenues and and um, revenues nine months revenues was approximately fourteen percent for the period. Um, net profit was around sixteen percent. Lasem over the years have been really working on diversifying their product lines and revenues. The revenue is not solely dependent on any one particular product. So you find that the the revenue margins are so diverse that the company has remained consistent over the last um, five, eight to five years. When you go down to the EPS, EPS grow, grown at around 16% per share, and the gross margins and net profit margins are within the range of around, in the mid 30s, um, 16 range. So overall, it, has, it, is, it was a good quarter for Lassen. I think based on the current projections, um, they're set to outpace their revenue and profit margins for their last annual year. They, this is, they're in their last quarter that ends on March 31st. Um, in terms of their balance sheet as well, I can bring that up over here as well, right here. So they're, they're, very, they're in a very strong cash position right now. As you can see, the company has around $2.1 billion worth of cash on their account. Um, significant amount of inventory in, in mitigation towards supply chain um, um, contingency arrangements that the company has put in place. Um, total assets 
has been up as, as well in, in the range of around 13%. So the, the balance sheet is still fundamentally consistent and, and remains fundamentally strong. Um, when you go over back to the, to the Excel sheet, we have the valuation uh, metrics down here in the bottom left corner of the screen. Um, as at, as at, sorry, this is supposed to be today. As at today's close price, February 2022, um, tw February 22, the price goes at $4.58, and I estimate the EPS um, range to be within $0.42 cents to $0.44 cents at year-end. Um, that works out to a P ratio of around 10.6 times. And at a mid-range, mid I think the target price um, is a, it should play out at around $9.14. So that is a 99.5% upside. So In what period of time? Sorry? In um, what period of time? 18 months target period. Um, in terms of the outlook, I think they'll continue to, to, to monitor supply chain um, challenges I, with, with costs increasing. Their, their, it's potentially likely that products for this company will increase as well um, to, to match the cost of inflation and stuff like that that, are, that is going on in the economy. But overall, we do recommend it as a buy. Um, and I know you always ask the question in regards to what type of investor. I right. said it's our own uh, moderate to conservative, in my opinion. Moderate to conservative investor, you're recommending the stock for Alaska Manufacturing uh, anticipated return of 95% in the next 18 months based yeah. on your analysis. Yeah. All right. And once again, the disclaimer, this is not investment advice. This is for educational and informational purposes only. Consult a licensed financial advisor who knows your specific situation. Even though Oric is licensed to give advice, he doesn't know your specific right. situation. So everything your should be tailored. <laughs> exactly. All right. right. So let's look at another company reporting profits this week. GK is reporting a 26% increase in net profits for the nine months ending September 30. Give us the details behind that, Julian. Okay. So many of us are familiar with Grace Kennedy. It's a household name in every sense of the term. However, I would like to take a spin on it um, because there are some things that we aren't so clear on with, with regards to Grace. So I'll just jump right to it. So I'm going to share my screen now. All right. Let me zoom in. How is that, Kalila? Is that fine? Zoom in some more. Okay. Hold up. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'd like to talk about Grace Kennedy's portfolio. So Grace Kennedy is a diversified group. It has two main arms, the Grace Foods arm and the Grace Financial Group arm. So let's talk about what the company owns. So they own 35% of Catherine Speak. Um, they own Canopy Insurance Company that, um, with a stake of 50%, and they're in life and health insurance. They own a company called Globe Finance, 40%. Um, that company is in Barbados, and they're based... They're, they're based in commercial banking and investment activities. They own Majesty Foods LLC, right? That's a United States-based company. 
and they're into food manufacturing. So they manufacture patties in the United States and they hold a 49% stake. So Grace Kennedy also owns Dairy Industries Jamaica, which manufactures really great yogurt, Anchor butter, and it also produces tasty cheese. So we know that Jamaicans turn to tasty cheese when they're having bun and cheese because that's a staple, right? Um, again, they own 50% of that company and it's based in Jamaica. They own Grace Pepper products. Um, they own a third of that company and it's in sauce manufacturing. They own GK Money Services, which basically operates FX Trader, Western Union, and Bill Express. They hold a 75% stake and they operate in remittance and, and um, cambio activities, and they are across the Caribbean region. They own High Low Foods. They own key insurance company, a 65% stake. That company does general insurance. They own First Global Bank, 100%. They own consumer brands, which basically operates Procter & Gamble, the distribution for Procter & Gamble in Jamaica. So Procter & Gamble um, has a wide variety of products. Um, you're talking about personal care items of all kinds, um, and they own GK Capital Management, just to mention some highlights regarding their portfolio. Now, we're talking about segment performance as at the nine months um, period ended September 30, 2021. So in terms of the company profile, we're noticing that GK Foods has a lion's share of the revenues, about 80% of the adjusted revenues for the group. However, GK Financial Group together um, provides a mix. So it's still together in terms of its banking and investments, insurance and money services lines, still contributes a significant part, about a fifth of their total, um, their total revenues. Now, in terms of the growth, um, that large revenue line being GK Foods saw 11% growth and the financial services businesses almost all saw double digit growth right banking and investments at nine percent insurance at 19 percent and money services at 11 percent in terms of pre-tax profits right um 52 of pre-tax profits came from gk foods however 36 percent of pre-tax profits came from money services so we say that money services in terms of profitability is a key strategic area for the for the group so it's very important. So just because it doesn't earn the bulk of the revenues doesn't mean that it's not an important profit driver, as we can mm -hmm. see here. And in terms of margins, right, money services also leads in terms of profit margins at 42%. And on a group level, they earn margins of about 9%. So they have a good mix of revenue lines. Their business lines are doing fairly well. So let's talk about what drives these revenue lines and what are the factors that are in their favor. So for GK Foods, zoom in seeing... again for me there, please. Okay, we'll get into it. Better. Okay. One more. All right, one more. Yeah. yeah. It's bigger for me than it is for you. So manufacturing exports are thirty-one percent growth year over year between January and October, according to Statin. That's January to October twenty twenty-one. Um, we see where most households have at least one GK product right and coupled with this fact right unemployment hit a low of 7.1 percent year over year as of october 2021 so if it is a case where more persons are employed or more persons who are looking for work actually have work it means that they're more likely to continue to buy grace products um 
the work from home trend would necessarily boost convenience foods, consumption of convenience foods like corned beef, tin sausages, sardines, soup mix, porridge mix, all of these convenience products would actually benefit from an environment like work from home because clearly persons who are working from home would lean on these products to, um, to get through their day. Now, in terms of the manufacturing sector, from a GDP growth perspective, it's a 4.6% growth for Q3 2021, and Grace Kennedy actually manufactures many of its products. And they have diversified markets. They're in UK, the US, Nigeria, Ghana, Jamaica, and other markets. Now, the food portfolio, interestingly, has products for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So Grace Kennedy, in terms of its product offering, has something for all the meals of the day, including snacks. And today, we learned that minimum wage increased from $7,000 from $7, Jamaican to $9,000 Jamaican, in terms of it being approved, I should say. So as at April 1st, um, Jamaicans will be in a better place to continue purchasing the products that they, they, they buy for their households. And that should benefit Grace Kennedy, given that it has so many products that are pretty much flagship products in each household in Jamaica. Now, in terms of the finance drivers, Higher interest rates, as we mentioned earlier, it should benefit um, interest earning um, assets that the company owns, such as those owned by First Global Bank. So banks own assets that earn interest, for example, loans. Um, and that should pretty much position the company positively from a standpoint of seeing higher interest rates. In terms of remittances, we saw where remittances grew 7.5% year over year. Um, as at December 2021, right? And pretty much because the company has such a profitable revenue line in the form of profitable revenue line in the form of um, GK money services, it should benefit the company because revenue flows are very important. Um, and not just to the country, but to Grace Kennedy because they have so many leading brands in that sphere. Now, GK Capital recently has been doing more IPOs, as we can see. And also, it is announced that the company is going into the collective investment schemes market, right? So they might be offering pool funds, um, such as um, mutual funds or unit trusts or pension fund products, which allow them to earn greater fee income from asset management. And what's interesting is that Jamaicans are underinvested. So this is a big growth market. Um, and also, Canopy Insurance is a young business which should see a higher growth rate than its more mature business lines. And Jamaicans are also underinsured. So this is another growth area. Now, in terms of other drivers, the holiday season should drive both remittance flows and the consumption of other products, such as gray smoke, smoked ham, you're talking about your, your ketchup, etc. because people would have had Christmas dinner and they're buying these products in larger volumes. And what's interesting is that approximately 13,000 Jamaicans migrate each year. So what's relevant is that when Jamaicans migrate, they typically send back remittances. So Grace Kennedy somewhat benefits from the migration of Jamaicans because they're going to send back those remittances. And not only that, but Jamaicans, when they want a taste of home, so to speak, in these foreign countries, they will more than likely buy Grace products. So these, all of these factors are drivers for all the business lines we mentioned um, pre previously. Now, in terms of the revenues, um, the three-year average is 7.7%, but as it is right now, they're at 11.2%. We're talking about the nine-month period compared gotta to zoom the that in. period. Right. Zoom it okay. in, please. All right. 
can't say. Yes. Okay, we're better now. Okay, so the seven-year average, the three-year average, sorry, is 7.7%. And their current run rate year over year, as at the nine months, is 11.2%. So they basically benefited from the pandemic and they positioned themselves to benefit. In terms of profitability, the three-year average is 16.6%, but their current run rate is 28.32% in terms of growth. Nice. So that's also good for the company. Now, in terms of the PE, the trailing PE is about 13.65 times, and the annualized PE, from my estimate, is about 12.74 times. The, the, the market price is $102.48. But somebody said to me, that's expensive, $102, but the fact is, that's the price of a soda. So the million-dollar question is, would you pay the price of a soda for a company like this? I think that question is a no-brainer, hopefully by this point in the presentation um based on my estimates the price is about or what the company is worth it's about 116 dollars i got that by annualizing the, the the um the earnings and also adjusting it by an additional six percent growth to factor in seasonality because the fourth quarter is likely to see a higher rate of growth than most other quarters, given the nature of the business. We talked about remittance lines, and we'll talk about the Christmas season, where certain products will move in higher volumes. Now, in terms of the stock now, the price point, the part that everybody has been waiting for, right? Mm -hmm. Year to date, the stock is up 2.46%, and it's down 3.3% from the 52-week high, right? The PE multiple is 13.65 times, as I mentioned previously, and the, the, um, the price point is estimated at about $116 in terms of what it's worth. Now, dividend yield is just below 2%. And in terms of historical performance, right, I got this from the Bloomberg terminal. Over the last five years, the stock has returned 151%, right, without dividends. And from a one-year perspective, it has done 33.77% without dividends. And interestingly, right? Sorry, that was, yeah, that was one year. Yeah, so we'll have a year and we'll have five years here in terms of the performance. So pretty much you're looking at a stock that has had um, consistent growth over the years in terms of the stock price, in terms of the actual company. And overall, it seems to be a strong case. I think they're positively positioned because we articulated the case previously. We talked about the drivers. So that's pretty much my take on Grace Kennedy. Their numbers should be out in another week or so in terms of their full year performance. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for Grace. Do you have a projection for share price? Or, or it gave us one for Lasco. So yeah, man, I did. I did. Mine, well, in terms of what the company is worth, I you think it's worth about right. a 116 in terms of its PE. And so it's not 102. Right. It might not necessarily go all the way to 116. But it's just an assessment based on the company fundamentals, um, the PE multiple in terms of where other conglomerates are trading. And what might happen is that the stock might hit a ceiling based on investor um, perception. And there could be a case where there's a split causing a second round of appreciation after that event. But this is just an expectation looking forward, as we normally do as investors. A split have to meaning do a stock split? That's right. You I'm just talking about... That? No, I'm just saying what is likely to happen. Okay. Right. If the company hits a ceiling based on investor perception 
and it hovers in that ceiling for a long time, there could be a split. So we're talking about possibilities and what could happen. And the worth of the company is based on its projected earnings and the drivers that I mentioned before, the historical performance, the leadership of the company, the actions the company has been taking in terms of positioning itself in different markets. They've been growing in core markets that are traditional. They've been going in new areas. We know that GK is pretty much data-driven. So it's a company that's not just relying on the growth of Jamaica, but it's basically positioned in markets that are actually healthy um, in terms of the prospect for growth. You're talking about the UK, you're talking about the US, chances to earn foreign currency. So they benefit from devaluation in that context. So it's a company that has a strong balance sheet. They're generating strong operating cash flows. So they basically tick all the boxes um, as far as fundamentals um, are concerned. I have a few questions on your analysis from the viewers, Julian. Mm -hmm. So first yeah. is from Orville. Orville mm -hmm. says, what's the PE for the sector? Do you have that handy? Manufacturing distribution? Yeah. So what I used was a conglomerate PE, which is about 14.43 times. And, G and GKs is what? GK's PE is about 13.65 times. So it's almost the same, very similar. Yeah, kind of close. Okay. Uh, where are we? Philip says GK needs to split in one way or the other. <laughs> so not just stock split, but yeah, also the company. That's very interesting. You know, it has different, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be. Because GK could have GK finance versus the, yeah. the manufacturing business, distribution business. I think yes, GK had split once. GK had split previously. Um, they did a they did a split some time ago, around four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. well, I mean, a split. A stock split, you mean, or the company? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. They did a oh. split already. Yeah. and they did a two to one split to around sixty dollars, if I can recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But again, um, is this stock worth the price of a soda? But money is money, right? Exactly. So. I hope, I hope, but by the end of this presentation, um, we would definitely see it from a different perspective. So even if we divide the stock price, right? 102.48, and we divide that by 158. That's roughly 65 cents US. So would you pay 65 cents for a company like this? That's a question. Exactly. Split or no split. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the price of a soda. So what and is it really? Tatiana says, what's your timeline for this 13% growth? In terms of the price, um right. it's about it's roughly a 12 year, 12 year time horizon. Sorry, not 12, 12 years. Year 12 months. months. 12 months. 12 months. <laughs> sorry, the brain, the brain getting tired. I'm sorry. 12 months. 12 months. <laughs> a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, I think those are all the questions on GK. So right. let me thank you, Julian and Auric. Always a pleasure having you. Thank you. Thank you, Kalila. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Take care. Cheers. As usual. <laughs> when right. we come back, we'll take some more of your comments from the viewers and wrap things up. This segment of The Analysts was brought to you by Proven Wealth and Ideal Securities Brokers Limited. Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit kalilareynolds.com store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. All right, so quite a few things to talk about with you, the viewers. We can have a, a quick little chat. Uh, there's the... <laughs>
the Aki dollar. That's not what it's called. It's called Jamdex, which I'm not also not so fond of the name Jamdex. I you know it could work. So there's that. There is the minimum wage going up from seven thousand to nine thousand dollars a week. What do you guys think about that? Uh, it's a thirty-eight percent increase. I think. What are your thoughts on the minimum wage going from seven thousand to nine thousand uh, dollars? Something else I wanted to ask you guys about as well. But let me take some of the comments now. Uh, <laughs> Blue collar wants to know if I invested in JFP. You know, I do not tell you what I invest in for the very reason that people go say Kalila did this and Kalila did that, and then you want to follow suit. It's a, it's like a roundabout way of asking what I what you should invest in that's what most people take it as which is why I don't disclose publicly what I invest in Roger Roberts says they need where did my comment go uh where did it go all right so Ricky says Jamaican stocks cheap compared to U.S. stocks that's absolutely true most of the stocks listed on the JSC sell for less than a dollar U.S. That's 155 Jamaican dollars is a dollar. What's the exchange rate now? Like 156, 157. Oh, so 157 Jamaican dollars is $1 US. Not many. Those are what you call penny stocks in the United States. Penny stocks. And that's what we have here in Jamaica. Uh, Robert Williams says GK is stronger than Massey. Uh, on what do you make that assessment? On what do you make that uh, that claim, Robert? Because Massey is a huge company in terms of size. They are bigger than GK. But when he says stronger than Massey, what do you mean? What are you referring to exactly? Are you referring to profits? Um, I don't know uh, if we've seen the, the profitability of Massey. I guess those numbers are public. I haven't actually read through uh, any documentation for Massey, Roger says, can soar to newer heights. Hey, I'm just saying, are you referring to GK here? And in a previous comment, he also said they need to do a stock split. So yes, he is talking about GK. I believe a lot of people would want to invest in them, but they're too high. Yes, I could argue with Julian, <laughs> Julian him. <laughs> but if they were supposed to do a stock split, I believe, oh, this was the second part. I believe they can soar to newer heights. Hey, I'm just saying. And then Ricky says this is a solid company and still growing. So, yeah, Mr. Williams wants to know if it's close to a monopoly in terms of who GK. GK has tons of competition, both in the financial sector and their manufacturing and distribution business, if that's what you are referring to. And then Stocks is pointing out Massey has its 20 to 1 stock split coming up next month. Yes, that is scheduled for March 11, so we will be monitoring the outcome of that. Well, thank you once again for joining us for yet another enlightening and lively conversation. It's my pleasure hosting this program for you. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter just yet, make sure you subscribe at kalilarunnels.com newsletter. You get your alert straight to your inbox. You get what's hot in business straight to your inbox. Market recap on a Sunday street to your inbox and lots of other cool perks, notifications, alerts, promo codes for my masterclass. If you still have not started investing and you want to know how to start and you want to know the basics of some of the things we were talking about today, then take the masterclass. It's called Investing for Beginners and you can do that at kalilareynolds.com slash masterclass. And I want to say thank you 
to my hardworking production team, everybody working behind the scenes, Kristen, Izzy, Kim, Oreen, um, who did I miss? Anthony, Sachel, yeah, the whole crew. Big up KRM every time. And of course, let's get this money. See you later. Let's get this money. <laughs> <laughs>